expanding the pool of our nation's truck drivers. How long will tight capacity in trucking last? And advancing new opportunities for women in supply chain professions. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Honeywell Intelligrated. From system design and simulation to integrated warehouse automation software and technologies to ASRS shuttles and robotics, Honeywell Intelligrated's end-to-end solutions address the most pressing e-commerce and labor challenges facing our industry. Visit sps.honeywell.com for more information. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, as most of our listeners are aware, finding drivers for our nation's trucking fleets is getting more difficult all the time. One pool of potential drivers lies in expanding opportunities for women drivers. To explain more, here is Victoria with today's guest. Victoria? Thanks, Dave. Uh, Yes, our guest today is Ellen Voya. Ellen is president, CEO, and founder of Women in Trucking, which is a nonprofit association that promotes and supports the employment of women in the trucking industry. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a a pleasure. Thanks for being here. I'll just start by asking you, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about Women in Trucking, you know, when it was founded, what your mission is, and, and, and essentially your goals? So Women in Trucking was actually born in March of 2007, um, and I had been working for a large trucking company, and they wanted me to figure out how to attract and retain non-traditional groups, and one of the groups was women, and it occurred to me that the industry really wasn't focusing on 50% of the population. So I put together a board of directors, um, got all the legal documentation, and we were formed in March of 2007. Um, and our original mission has never changed. It's, it's three parts. It's to encourage the employment of women, to um, address obstacles that might keep women from being successful in this industry. And then the third part is to celebrate success. In other words, to tell the stories of the women who are in the industry. And so that mission is never buried um, and, and although we've grown over the years, um, we've stayed true to that, that goal. What is the actual percentage of women drivers in the industry? Do you, know, do you have that? I, I actually do. Um, and that's one of the things that my board was very adamant about is we, you can't know if you're successful if you can't measure. Um, and so we did a study with Freight Waves about a year and a half ago, and it was over the road drivers, women make up about 10%. If you use the Department of Labor, um, figures, they actually include delivery and sales drivers. So that would be, they include like small trucks, like maybe delivering chips to a store. And so we wanted to see what percentage of over the road drivers, and it was 10%. Um, and that was about 900 carriers that responded to that. So we're going to stick with that number. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to also ask, you know, now, last week was National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Was there anything that Women in Trucking did to sort of mark the event? And and can you talk a little bit about that week and what it's designed to do and, and, and how, you know, it's supposed to, I think, shine a light on the importance of the trucking industry as a whole, correct? 
Correct. Um, and so I have a radio show on SiriusXM on Saturdays. And so we had a whole bunch of CEOs from trucking companies come on and talk about what they were doing um, to celebrate their drivers. And my personal opinion is we shouldn't just have a week set aside because these drivers should be celebrated year round. But at least we do focus on taking some time out and saying thank you to the hardworking men and women who drive this nation. Um, but so many companies did so many neat things. They had cookouts for their drivers. They gave them swag bags, things like that. So we highlighted what our members were doing um, and, and you know, t told their stories. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, I read a lot of, about a lot of the events that people were holding and it was really, really a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, at the outset, you know, Dave mentioned the labor challenge across uh, trucking and actually across the supply chain. So I wanted to ask you about about that, the struggle to, to find drivers in general and, and how your mission to attract more women to the industry can help with this problem. Maybe some specifics about what you're doing. Sure. Um, so we we think that the reason women don't look at the trucking industry for a career is that they don't have a personal connection. Um, you talk to a lot of people outside the industry and they say, well, I see the trucks on the road, but I really don't think about it. Well, they don't understand the impact of these trucks um, on their own personal lives. And so when we tell stories, when we we have an image team and we get them out in the non-trucking public to talk about what their jobs are and, and how much they love them. We had a driver appear on the Megan Kelly show um, before, just before it, it ended and our phones were ringing off the hook because women were saying, I just didn't think about it. But when she talks about it, you know, then, so the image team gets out there. We, we do ride alongs with media and elected officials and regulators, legislators. Um, and, and so we have them share their story um, because if, if you don't see someone doing the job that who looks like you, you don't think about it. Um, a couple other things that we've done, we're starting a new driver ambassador program. We'll have a female driver driving a tractor trailer around the country um, and there will be a simulator in there. There will be hands-on learning environment um, and like skills tests like that tr driver ambassador tractor trailer will be going to schools and other um, events outside the trucking media to introduce people to careers. Um, and a couple other things. One, I'm really proud of. Um, we found out that the Boy Scouts had a transportation patch, a supply chain, a supply chain patch, and the Girl Scouts didn't. Um, and so we worked with the Greater Chicago, Northern Indiana region, and we created a, a Girl Scout patch. Um, and we wrote the curriculum, and we have an activity book that uh, says scouting or scouting for cookies. And it talks about how the grain goes from the field to the bakery in a truck. They create a packaging in a truck. And then the final mile is the Girl Scout. So our, our hope is that when girls, anyone looks at a truck, they say, mom, dad, those could be my cookies in there, or that could be the milk that I drink with my cookies, or that could be the grain. So we want them to have a personal connection so they actually think about this industry. That's great. That's really, I had no idea. That's a really uh, interesting program. Um, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, role models. You've got to be able to see what you want to, to be, right? Um, what are some other uh, barriers to women entering the trucking industry and, and how has your group tried to help change that, those situations? So one of the barriers would be the misconception people have. They look at a truck and all they think it's a diesel engine and smokestack. We try to show how, first of all, how safe um, the, the industry is, the, the, the industry is focusing on safety, put it that way, um, because 
people think that this is you have to be big and burly you have to know how mechanics and nobody fixes their engines anymore um and you don't have to load and unload the freight like you did in the past and also the trucks the technology in the trucks is just amazing um and people don't even understand that there's automated transmissions in there um they don't have to learn how to shift anymore um and by the way backing is not as hard as people imagine it, that it is I, I got my cdl in in 2008 um and it's it, people just have this misconception of who actually can do the job and when we show women doing the job and we show someone who's 100 pounds you know <laughs> and and five foot two you know um, then they'll look at that and go, well, if she can do it, then I can too. So it's the, the barrier is the misconception of the requirements in the industry. Yeah, that's interesting. Would you, um, what would you say are some of the aspects of trucking that should most attract women to it? You know, what, why is it a good profession for women to consider? Well, the number one thing that attracts women into the industry is money. And I don't know any carrier out there who actually pays women 80 cents on the dollar for men. They actually pay the same because it's by the mile, by the load, you know, by the hour, whatever. So you can make um, as much money as your male counterparts or more um, if you, you know, call the right freight and, you know, make the decisions. Um, and, and in fact, um, 83%, uh, we did a survey, 83% of women who come into the industry come in because of a family member or friend encouraging them, saying, hey, you know, the kids are grown, you know, why don't you come out on the road, get your CDL and, and come out on the road with me. So women who come into the industry already know what the industry is like. They already know about the lifestyle. They have a better understanding. Um, and so women actually have less turnover. Um, women stay with their carriers longer. Um, women are safer. Uh, the American Transportation Research Institute found that male commercial drivers were 20% more likely to be involved in a crash in every statistically significant area, um, whether it's intersections at night or curbs or whatever. Um, and so now the industry is saying, oh, wow, we see the value that women bring. And, and they've started focusing on attracting women to their fleets. Where I can tell you uh, 14 years ago, um, when I talked to trucking companies and they'd say, you need to hire women, they'd say, well, we just hired the best person. Um, and then I start pointing out like, oh, really? Well, how come all your uniforms are made for men? And how come trucks are designed for men? And how come you don't even have restrooms for women? You know, I mean, we have to make it a level playing field and we have to improve the industry before we attract more women in to the industry. But I mean, women can make a really decent living. Um, and the other reason a lot of women come in is they just want to travel. <laughs> they just want to see the sunrises and sunsets and, you know, the landscape and, and make money while they're doing it. Yeah. Alan, is there anything else about the industry or your association you'd like to share? You've, you've given us a lot of great um, insight here today. Anything else, uh, any, you know, pressing topics uh, related to this uh, issue of trucking and women in trucking? Well, a couple of things. Our website is womenintrucking.org. Um, as a nonprofit, as you mentioned, um, we're a dues-based organization, so people pay dues to belong. Um, and we want them to join because we want to be a resource. We want to share our information with them. Um, and then the other thing is we are having our, con our conference will be in November 7th through 9th in Dallas, and we invite everyone to come to the conference. It's for men and women. And also, I need to mention that 15% of our members are men who support our mission. But the conference in November, um, the last time we were in person, we had 1,100 people and it was just truly amazing. We 
the topics are things like negotiation skills and branding yourself and communication styles. So it's, it's, it's interesting to anyone. I mean, anyone who comes will learn. So I really recommend that people come to our conference. Thank you. Um, Ellen, thanks so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for this opportunity. We, we appreciate the exposure. Great. Uh, we have been talking with Ellen Voya, President, CEO, and founder of Women in Trucking. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Ellen and Victoria. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Ben, along with the themes that Victoria and Ellen discussed, having fewer drivers than needed on our roads means that capacity is very tight right now. And you have some information on just how long that situation may remain in the market. Could you tell us more? That's exactly right. Uh, and, and it really does dovetail with a lot of the information that Ellen was sharing with us. Uh, this after this information um, that we have on the update um, to, on that came from some sessions that we attended this week at CSCMP EDGE, uh, which was a trade show held in Atlanta. Uh, with the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals, that's the CSCMP. Uh, I went to one session that featured a panel of uh, trucking carrier CEOs, and they said that both truckload and less than truckload carriers are trying to add new capacity to meet the really soaring demand, but with equipment backlogs uh, that are predicted to last at least through 2022, uh, now they're also having to look to more creative solutions just to try to wring some more efficiency out of the market. Uh, for one example, Darren Hawkins, who's the president and CEO of Yellow Corp, said that not only are automakers um, really backed up on meeting orders to build new Class A trucks, but suppliers also can't meet orders for the trailers that are towed behind them. Uh, he said they simply can't get enough trailers uh, compared to what they need. Uh, so an ongoing issue for Yellow is uh, detention. And, and that, that's the industry term when uh, trailers or trucks are delayed. Uh, let's say they arrive at a warehouse or DC and it, and it doesn't have um, the, the inventory, the cargo ready, and they have to wait for a number of hours. Um, they, they get paid back for that. Um, but according to Hawkins, he says, we charge detention fees and it's good that we're getting paid, but as long as they're not moving, those revenue producing assets are just not being used. So that uh, is pointing a finger to another problem that's uh, creating some of that tight capacity. Uh, so in search of solutions, um, carriers uh, are taking another step to uh, funnel more of their business to the certain warehouses that are known for quick turnaround times, in other words, avoiding that detention, um, and avoiding those known as places, uh, quote, where trailers go to die. Uh, and, and that was what Derek Leathers, who's the chairman, president, and CEO of Warner Enterprises, said. Um, Leathers did say that, um, you know, while some shippers are faster than others at getting truckers back on the road, uh, he, he declined to blame uh, the slower ones for tough conditions because uh, really what they're doing is facing labor shortages. Um, so their uh, hands are tied on that. Yeah. Well, those all sound like tough challenges. Did you hear about any other solutions? I did. I did. I went to another session uh, where we heard about some of the approaches that uh, retailers and manufacturers are taking on, on the other side of that equation, the ones who are trying to obtain that capacity. Uh, and that goes back to a concept that we've covered in the uh, magazine in the past, which is trying to become a, quote, shipper of choice. Uh, so one problem is that shippers have traditionally seen trucking fleets um, as more of a vendor than a valued customer. Uh, that was what one of the panelists, Matt Ellinger from NCH Corporation, said. 
Uh, and just as Derek Leathers had said, Ellinger said that many drivers actually refuse to visit certain warehouses uh, out of fear that slow turnaround times um, will you know, keep them off the roads, which is how they earn their living. So some companies uh, are taking steps to try to, quote, sell themselves uh, or pitch themselves to transportation providers. Um, and, and here's some steps that they shared. Um, one company said that they invited uh, trucking firms um, like J.B. Hunt or Schneider, some of the big guys, uh, to visit their facilities and actually grade them on their performance. Uh, then they get feedback and, and they can try to improve based on that. Um, other folks, other shippers, are taking steps like um, preloading trailers for drop hook operations. That's when a truck can simply arrive at the facility, drop off their trailer, hook onto the new one, and, and take off again without uh, waiting uh, for handling the inventory. Uh, also, they buy donuts or baseball caps uh, for little gifts for the drivers. Um, the DCs try to palletize freight more precisely, which obviously makes it easier to load and, and uh, faster, more efficient to handle. Um, they order hot coffee. They make sure that they have clean bathrooms for drivers as when they do have to wait for swapping trailers. Um, apparently the bathroom point, um, amazing as it sounds, is um, really one of the pain points there. Some facilities don't let uh, tired drivers use their facilities when they arrive. Um, and one fleet owner even said uh, that some shippers ask trucking fleets for copies of their company employee newsletter. So then they can tell when a certain truck driver say he is having a birthday or he's reached a, he or she has reached a threshold like three years of safe driving or um, you know, a certain number of miles. And then they can uh, give them a congratulations or even little gifts uh, when they arrive at the warehouse. Yeah, those all sound like some creative ideas to help uh, expand the, the capacity that there currently is. Thanks, Ben. Yep. And Victoria, you also attended a session at CSEMP to discuss ways to advance opportunities for women in supply chain, kind of uh, following along some of the same themes. What did you find out? Uh, yeah, that's right, Dave. It's uh, following along on the theme here. Um, yeah, so I attended one of the many sessions I attended uh, was a panel discussion titled uh, Moving Women Forward attracting, promoting, and retaining top talent. And it really spoke to a couple of important issues, you know, the need to attract talent in general today. That's a challenge for so many businesses. And also, you know, the idea of attracting and retaining more women at all levels and all positions across the industry. Um, this panel was moderated by Angie Freeman, who's um, Chief Human Resources and Environmental, Social, and Governance Officer at CH Robinson. And it also included um, some other um, just really uh, high achieving women in the industry. Chloe Guidry-Reed is founder and CEO of an Atlanta-based company called Higher Ground, which is a supplier diversity management solutions firm. Jennifer Kilgore, who's human resources director at Georgia-based RBW Logistics. And Mayan Nissen, who is director and head of global supply chain at Arizona-based Align Technologies, or I'm sorry, Align Technology. Um, and the issues they talked about were really just vast and varied. And, and to just give you a few, we, they talked about supporting women at various stages of their careers, um, continuing to fight gender bias in the industry, which they said you know is largely unconscious, um, and finding ways to instill in ever younger generations of women and girls, um, you know, the really the idea um, that there are no limits to what they can achieve in any industry. Um, so it really was a really wide-ranging discussion. They all agreed that one of the keys to attracting and retaining top female talent, and it, it depends largely on developing role models at all levels of the supply chain profession. And it really echoes what Ellen said earlier, you know, you've got to see um, 
people doing what you want to do. It really it's, it's important to see those role models. Um, and they also offered advice for how organizations um, can uh, recruit, support, and develop women leaders. Um, and they engaged the audience, which I thought was great. It was made up of both men and women. So the session really turned into a, a group discussion about all of these ideas and issues. That's really interesting. What were some of the key pieces of advice that the panelists mentioned? Yeah, and that, and that I think was the best part. Um, there were many, and I should point out that the panel referenced um, a Gartner study from earlier this year on women in supply chain. Uh, it's a study that we reported here on here at DC Velocity as well. And a key part of that report was a statistic that showed that there are more women in supply chain than ever before. I think it was 40% of the workforce is made up of women, which is great. Um, but that study also pointed out that key challenges um, still remain. So some advice from the panel on increasing that percentage um, included things like creating mentorship and sponsorship programs within your organization, uh, helping establish relationships, networks, and support systems for women at all points along their careers, um, developing formal programs that identify and invest in high-performing women with the capacity to lead, um, treating leadership as a tangible skill that can really be developed and not something that's necessarily innate. Um, also highlighting senior women leaders in your organization as a way to appeal to younger generations and potential employees, and, and really clearly charting the path to leadership within your organization. Uh, employees, you know, no matter who you are, need to see that there are growth opportunities um, in, your in the company for, you know, as a way to attract and also to kind of move them along. Um, so the panel sh shared stories of how these actions have helped them along the way and about how their organizations are actually doing these things that they were, you know, talking about. Um, and again, they, they really emphasize that this is a pro an issue and a process that should involve everyone in the supply chain, men and women, because it's really about creating the best possible workplace and industry for everybody. Um, many of the issues they discussed apply to all employees in the industry. And, you know, uh, they said, if you know, we can focus on supporting people at all levels, the industry and your organization will be better for it. Those are great goals for certain. Thanks, Victoria. Yeah. You're welcome. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And we also encourage you to check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. It's always fun. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, our thanks to Ellen Boya of Women in Trucking for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You could email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform and rate the show if you can. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Honeywell Intelligrated. Be sure to check out all the Honeywell Intelligrated on the Move podcast posted at sps.honeywell.com slash on the move podcast. You can also find Honeywell Intelligrated on LinkedIn and Twitter using the hashtag at Intelligrated. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters when we will look at automating the non-driving tasks in trucking. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week. <music>